Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday. We have a very special guest this week, and it is Mike Tyler, or better known as DJ Metal Mike Tyler, or DJ Metal Mike. He's got so many handles, I can't keep track, but that's okay. <laughs> but you can hear him on his radio show on ThatMetalStation.com every Tuesday from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, and he's also on Fridays from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, or whenever the sh- however the show uh, goes, because he loves his audience, and if they're going to hang around, he hangs around. And uh, I met Mike at the Rockin' Pod Expo in Nashville, and like I mentioned on, on the recap, you know, we, we had our pleasantries in the beginning, and then it was just like, you know, I'd known this guy forever, and so we knew we had to, you know, eventually sync up and do the movie podcast, because he loves movies too, in addition to metal music and rock music, so it's great to have you on, Mike. Brother, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me, man. I've been a fan of yours that's what was kind of cool is, you know, I, I've been a fan of yours, well, since that Ralph and Ian turned me on to you, man. I think I heard you on their podcast, and you were, you know, they were talking about your podcast, or yeah, I was, you were on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, and I heard you know, you on there, and I was like, man, this dude seems pretty cool. And then when I found out you had a podcast, I was like, oh, it's about movies. Okay, well, I like movies, and I listened. I, I got to admit, I haven't listened to every episode, but I've listened to quite a few, and now I'm going back and picking up the ones I've missed, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. Like one of my favorite episodes was the ones you did with your mom. She sounds like such a sweetheart, man. She is exactly what she sounds like on the air. And she'll, she'll love, actually it's, it's Dr. Fuck's favorite guest. So there you go. You're in good company. Yeah. Well, seriously, man. But I mean, you've got a lot of cool guests. I mean, I can't remember them all by their name, but they all seem like they're really cool people. I mean, obviously they gotta be cool by association because it's your show. (laughs) No, I appreciate that. No, but we've lucked out because, you know, there's something about movies that, uh, you know, I love music, but movies kind of, it, it goes through everyone. Everyone's got to like some sort of movie. And so uh, it was just the natural subject to get into. And we've had a lot of fun with it. And we're going to try to keep going with it. Hell yeah. So we're going to get right into it. I got a ton of questions from Mike. Sort of what we did with uh, Ian Wadley when he was on. We're going to do the same thing with Mike because he's got great answers. And he kind of does this for a living. You know, he's on the air. He does his, uh, his music uh, shows. So I think this is going to be totally easy for him, and he's going to have a good time with it. So let's just start off with the big one. This was the 100th episode. What is your favorite movie of all time? I know it's difficult, but what's the one favorite you would pick? I agonized and struggled on this one, brother, because there's so many movies I love, and I've never really done that. I would always go, well, this is my favorite sci-fi movie, or this is my favorite film, noir film. Yeah, I got to go with Empire Strikes Back. I was maybe not nine, ten years old when I saw it. Obviously, Star Wars made a huge um, impact upon me. I was... Uh, Six, seven years, six going on seven years old, summer 77. I mean, because it's funny, I was little, but I was still old enough. I'm still at an age where I, I felt the uh, impact that film had on society and pop culture and everything. And we were so excited for Empire Strikes Back. I mean, the anticipation for that film, man, because my mom, 
God love her. She subscribed me to a Star Wars fan magazine. I mean, I was all about Star Wars, nice. you know. So when The Empire Strikes Back came out, like I said, just the anticipation for that movie was, oh, at an all-time high. And then the, to me, Empire just has everything. It has everything. It's the perfect movie, you know, the perfect sequel for sure. Because yeah. I feel that it's – as much as I love Star Wars and it's a great film, I think Empire is better. But, of course, I also realize you cannot have Star Wars without – or Empire without Star Wars, you know. So um, – but, yeah, I love – I absolutely adore Empire Strikes Back. It's – yeah, it's probably – it's got to be hands down my all-time favorite movie if I'm going to be honest. You so know, if I had to pick. Yeah. That's the one. Were you disappointed with Return of the Jedi? Yes. Okay. I, I love Return of the Jedi. Don't get me wrong. I thought the first half was great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I loved everything up until them fucking teddy bears. <laughs> now you got, but you got to understand. I understand though. I've talked to younger people like I love the Ewoks. Yeah. Fuck you, DJ Metal Mike. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I get it. You know, you were younger, so. And and also, I'm a big believer even now with the current Star Wars films. Whatever your first Star Wars movie is, is going to be your Star Wars. Sure. Movie, to a certain extent, anyway. And even though I was. A Star Wars fanatic with A New Hope, Empire just took it to another level. So yeah, I was slight. I wasn't. I don't hate Return of the Jedi, but I was a little disappointed in it. I, I felt that um, some of the characters were just kind of going through the motions a little right. bit, mm -hmm. even at the time. Yeah, I did, wasn't a big fan of the, the Ewoks. I really wish George Lucas had stuck to his original plan of. Of, of using the Wookiees, I think it would have been much more believable that an army of Wookiees is whooping ass on stormtroopers instead of a bunch of teddy bears. Absolutely, you know? absolutely, that would have been amazing. Um, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm I understand probably the reason why he didn't is probably would have been a lot harder to cast a bunch of tall, huge motherfuckers for a movie <laughs> instead true. of uh, little people. So I, I get it, you know, and I mean. It's not like it ruined it or anything or anything. And I and I and as I got older, I appreciated Jedi, especially the you know because I remember another thing I was disappointed about is out of the original trilogy, I think the greatest lightsaber duel is Empire, hands down, yeah. hands down. No pun intended um, with the hands too. Right, right. But, uh, but uh, with Return of the Jedi, I was a little disappointed that, that the lightsaber wasn't tool wasn't more. You know, um, epic, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. But as I got older, I realized why it wasn't. It's because it's more of an emotional conflict. It's Luke trying to reach out to his dad and and help him, you know, and, and save him for, for lack of a better word, you know. And I love that. That's beautiful, man. Like, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Like, everybody else had given up on Anakin. Right. His son hadn't, you know, even Obi-Wan was like, oh, he's more machine now than man, you know, twisted and evil. But Luke was like, no, I don't believe that. Deep down, I know, you know, and, and later, obviously, when the prequels came out, I remember my mom even saying, because some of the lines Luke said, I remember shortly before she passed away, we had watched, uh, we did a marathon of the first six films in chronological order. And my mom was like, yeah, that's, that's Padme talking to him. Mm -hmm. Luke, you know, and I'm like, Oh, totally, totally. So let's get to the next question. And this is a fun one. This was the very first episode we did. And that was, can you remember the first movie you saw in a theater? Okay. The first movie I remember seeing. Yes. I want to stress that. I, and I'll, I'll get into it in a minute. Yeah. The first movie I remember seeing is the original Star Wars. Okay. I was six years old during the summer of 77 because my birthday falls in October. I mean, it, it, again, like I said, I don't want to turn this into a Star Wars episode, but it, it changed my life. It had it had as big an impact on me as Kiss Alive did. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love that movie. But my twin brother, Marky, who I told you about. Yep. Um, 
Mr. Sweetheart himself, my better version, um, he's uh, he's the one I told you about that's learning disabled. Mm-hmm. And but because of that learning, his memory is really strong, especially long-term memory. I mean, this guy can remember shit we did when we were four or five. Uh-huh. And what's funny about it, he'll go, Mike, do you remember? And he'll go, and he'll be surprised. You don't remember that? And I'm going, well, Mark, I remember it, but I don't remember it as severely as he does. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's just uncanny. And he says he's, he thinks that we went to see – Disney Snow White because you know back in the day before VHS folks which you kids probably don't even know what VHS is but VHS (laughs) is what we had before we had streaming and DVDs and Blu-rays anyway you know they would re-release movies every seven years every ten years Disney was known for it Mm -hmm. and um, and uh, I think they re-released Snow White in 1975 I looked it up last night when I was working on some of these questions I was like that fucking Mark man he knows (laughs) yeah he knew so um which means we would have been maybe four going on five years old, depending on what time of the year Disney released, re-released the film. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't remember it. I do remember going to see Snow White in the theater, but I thought I was older. But, yeah, he says that we saw it before Star Wars. So, I think you know you what? Have, you got to defer to the I'm going to defer to the memory, yeah. There you go. No, you're totally right, because I, my mom took me to see all of those re-releases, because that was kind of, you know, again, it was before home video, so you, Disney would make a fortune off re-releases, because these would become top grossing films again, because if you missed it the first time around, you could see it again. Interestingly enough, Brian, do you know why Disney started doing that? No, no. They didn't start doing it until Snow White, and they didn't do it till like, it was in the early 40s. Okay. The reason why was because of World War II. Mm-hmm. Disney needed money, man. Everybody was fucking broke. That's true. And and actually, the movies they released in the early 40s, even though they're classics now, didn't do as well as Snow White. Because, like, Dumbo and Pinocchio, I don't think, had the same gross as Snow White. So you're right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, I know I know, Fantasia was an out-and-out flop. Absolutely. When it came out. Yeah. Um, well, it's, you, know, it's, it, you think Mickey Mouse is going to be yeah you think Mickey Mouse is going to be in it and it's mostly a, a you know a classical two hours of classical music which kids couldn't sit through. All right, what is your favorite horror slash scary movie? Okay, now number one, hands down, The Exorcist. Okay, I don't think any horror movie touches it really, as far as like, and maybe part of it's because again I was young, way too young to watch a movie like that. And when I was a kid, I lived in an area, well, still live in the same area, where we didn't have cable. Mm-hmm. We didn't get cable till like the 1980s. But my grandma did, see. And my dad would even pay for her cable. And every week we would go to her house and have a movie night because cable was like a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, people just don't understand, you know, streaming now. It's like, you know, boom, it's right there. But at the time, yeah, so we'd have movie night. And I got to spend the night with my grandma. And I saw that they had advertised The Exorcist was going to be on late. And I knew Grandma was going to fall asleep. And I'd heard all this stuff about this movie, this scary movie. Oh, you got to see it. So I'm like stoked, right? Dude, I watched that movie with a cover, like with with my two eyes just barely look. It scared (laughs) the living fuck out of me. Yeah. Because this was the uncut version. First R-rated film I ever saw. Man, I thought, oh my God. Because you know, my grandma was hardcore. She didn't go for that. Well, if you're bad, the boogeyman's going to get you. She went right for the throat. She'd say, oh, the devil's going to get you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I'm like, what? You know, she would always tell me that. If I acted bad or if I misbehaved, well, the devil's going to get you. So here I'm watching this movie where this little girl's getting possessed by the devil. I'm, I'm afraid my head's going to start spinning around. And I'm going to start up chucking. And, you know, <laughs> oh, man, it freaked me out. And I still think... 
the film stands to this day. I mean, when you look at it, this was before CGI. Man. Absolutely. So Exorcist, hands down. Um, I did give an honorable mention, if I may, to a few more. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. An American Werewolf in London. I adore that film. Oh, great movie. I, I still think it's a great film. Still stands the test of time. Rick Baker and his makeup. Oh, my God. What a master he was, man. The original Halloween. And I stress the original, yep, folks. Yep, from 78. The Omen and Psycho. you got to love Psycho. Dude. Oh, yeah. And Christine. I love Christine. So those were probably in my you know, top horror films that, that immediately come to mind. Absolutely. And I'm going to give a tease of a future episode. We're going to do uh, best or best or favorite uh, movie scores. And The Exorcist is definitely on there. Um, oh yeah. yeah yeah oh my god how can it not yeah or at least theme songs we're gonna try to do, i'm not gonna do the full score but at least theme songs and and that extra theme song totally fits the vibe of that movie what is the worst movie you saw on a date and what is the worst date you had at a movie if you can share well it's kind of funny as a side note i'm gonna give a friend a shout out to my friend sarah because uh, i was joking with her i was reading some of these questions and the answer i gave her of course, she smacked me in the back of the head for it. <laughs> it's, I said, uh, I think it's when I went to see The Hanover with some some um, chick named Sarah. And she was like, what? <laughs> she hit me in the back of the head. But um, all joking around. Side, and I love you, Sarah GS. Anyway, um, worst movie I ever saw on a date was The Craft. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> God, that movie blew. And the date was boring as fuck as well. Uh -huh. In fact, she was a boring fuck, literally. <laughs> I nicknamed her the human yawn. This is a fun one. We kind of talked about this, and I know your answer, so this is going to be a fun uh, fun answer. What is your favorite mm -hmm. movie villain, non-superhero, and then after that, what is your favorite superhero villain? Okay, hands down. And there's a lot of great villains. I could have went, uh, and there's a, there's some I'm going to give honorable mention to, but um, I got to go Frank Booth from Blue Velvet. Dennis Hopper was fucking terrifying in this role. He was creepy as fuck, man. Like, Oh my God, man. He was so insane and just what a great actor. And he had a big year that year. I mean, what, there was that Hoosiers. He was all over the place. It was like, nobody saw Dennis Hopper. Yeah. It was Hoosiers. Sudden, uh, yeah. Yeah. River's Edge. Blew up, man. Yeah. River's Edge. River's Texas, Edge. Another great film. Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Yeah. And you know, and I, I like that movie. Okay. I know it's cheesy and all, but I think I, th I thought it was great. Especially yeah. him. Um, yeah, I, hands down, Blue Velvet, my favorite David Lynch film. Um, I love that movie. Um, I'm a big sucker for neo-noir neo, neo -noir anyway. Yeah, me too. It. I love it, and I absolutely love that movie. Um, uh, another neo-noir film that I'm a huge fan of, and i got to give honorable mention to this one, is Chinatown. I thought John Huston was creepy in that movie. Oh, dude. yes, he was. I mean, the ending is crazy. Like, Oh, it's, oh my God, dude! Yeah, and um, I I absolutely love that movie too. Um, so yeah, I got to give John Huston a nod. And um, another great movie villain, I thought, even though you don't realize it till almost halfway through the movie, James Cromwell in a L.A. Confidential. I was oh like, yeah, yeah. When yes. he turns around and shoots Kevin Spacey, I fucking my jaw hit the fucking floor. Yeah. I was like, what? Oh, oh, so. Such a good movie, that too. Man. Oh, and that yeah, that's one of the better uh, newer neo noir type films. Oh, by yeah. far, yeah. by far, dude, by far. I mean, uh, we'll get back into that in a little while. Definitely, so. absolutely. And then, uh, what, what's your favorite uh, superhero villain? 
Um, I'd have to go Heath Ledger uh, with the Joker in The Dark Knight. Sure. I thought he was brilliant. Um, and this is coming from somebody like being a comic book fanboy. It's like Heath Ledger's the Joker. I was totally against it. I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is Christopher Nolan thinking? And I, I, not that I was a Heath Ledger hater, but I just didn't see it. Well, man, was I wrong. You know, sometimes you hear about Cassie and it makes you scratch your head. But in that case, man, wow. I mean, he did a phenomenal job, man. He became the Joker. Yeah, he did. Might have been the death of him, for Christ's sake. But, God, he was brilliant in it, man. Um, a close second, though, if I may, Alfred Molina is Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. I thought he was great in that role. And, and be, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, so, you know, seeing Doc Ock come to life was a big deal to me. And I thought he nailed it. And that's the best, uh, that, Spider-Man 2 is the best of the three. Oh, I, I by think. far. Yeah. Spider-Man 3 fucking blue. Yeah. Okay. I hated that movie. It could have been good if they had just limited it to, like, you know, well, one villain, you know? <laughs> but that's the problem. Yeah. They, they What they should have done is just let Sam Raimi do his thing. He already did two good movies. That's now, right. they kind of slightly interfered with Spider-Man 1, because I don't know if you know this, but... Um, the Goblin was supposed to have more of a prosthetic kind of mask. Mm. And I've seen test footage of it. It looked great. And they thought, oh, it'll scare kids. Mm. So they gave him that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers mask. Ugh. Yeah. But other than that, I still thought Spider-Man 1 was a great film. Oh, yeah. we, we Spider-Man 2. Again, you want to talk about sequels that are better than the original. By far, Spider-Man 2 was better. And But they should have just left him alone because he wanted to make Sandman the main villain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best part of the movie. Like that transformation scene. Terrific. Where he becomes, oh, it's beautiful. It still stands up to, now that's, you want to talk about CGI done right. That was a beautiful sequence. And I love the music, everything about it. It was just beautiful. And I'm going, man, what could have been? Like they could have waited on Venom. They could have even waited on Harry being the second Green Goblin. They didn't. Fucking Sony, man. They pissed me off. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the next one. And that is, what is your favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie? Vertigo. Nice. Love Vertigo. Um, I love everything about it. Everything. It's just it's it's one of those movies. It's almost like um, surrealistic to me. The minute he sees Madeline, he just instantly falls in love. Yeah. You know, it was like just instant. He was gone. It was over. And uh, yeah, I I absolutely adore that film. And I got to give another one because I'm a big Hitchcock fan, and I love almost all his films. Yeah. But another. A close second for me. It's got to be um, Shadow of a Doubt. Oh yeah, another. And that's oh also that's also filmed in the San Francisco area in Santa Rosa. Yes, yes, and Joe and Joseph Cotton. What a great actor! And that whole speech he gives. Oh yeah. Where he's talking about the you know the the old, them old women and their. You know, they spend their husband's money and, you know, and he just fucking goes off on this rant. Yeah. You know, and he's like with their silly little lives. And she's like, well, they're alive. And he's like, are they? <laughs> I'm going, damn, Uncle Charlie. You know, he did such a great job in that. Well, I mean, look at Psycho, bro. Just the perfect movie. And that Bernard Herman score. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's on there. Which yeah. is what I love about Vertigo. Yep. I mean... People have to understand. My dad had to put it in perspective. Plus, I saw a huge documentary on 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 uh, Hitch, and they basically said that the the buzz for that film. And you got to remember, this is before the internet, folks. Way before that. Show. Oh yeah. The way he marketed that film was brilliant. He had like poster boards and things made where he's going shh with his finger in his mouth. Don't tell anybody the ending of Psycho. Don't spoil it for the other 
audience. And, um, and also, um, they also had a rule where you couldn't come to the movie late. Absolutely. Like yeah, they locked the doors. From the very beginning to yep. the very end. And let me, let's be honest, you, you had the main star of your film dead within a half an hour. I know, and it's unheard Holy of. Holy shit, man. Yeah, you know, it's like you think the movie's about her. It ain't. ain't. No, not it's at all. Fucking brilliant. And the, the ending is film. and the ending's perfect. The ending's perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. We'll get to endings later. But oh, yeah. yeah. Great, great movie, brother. All right. Let's go to uh, your favorite movie soundtrack. Okay, now I thought about this for a minute, and because to me you could do scores. And I thought, well, if it goes to scores, man, God, I mean John Williams and there's so many great, you know, composers. I mean, Jerry Goldsmith. Um, what's the guy, uh, Inicio Morricone? Is that yeah, how you pronounce yeah, his name? Yeah, from the, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, or the Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah, I mean, yeah. God, there's just so many great composers over the years, man. So I went and opted for a soundtrack, soundtrack, and for me, it's got to be Pulp Fiction. Nice. I, and I love Pulp Fiction. I mean, you know. Well, you should it, definitely, I'm sure you have. We are. We did a whole soundtrack episode with Mother Brother Brian um, where we, we covered the entire Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Yes, and it was a great episode. Great. I loved it. So what would be the, the what like, if we're going to play a song, what would be the song you'd pick from that? Ooh. Um, probably uh, Counting uh, Flowers on the Wall. Okay. <laughs> I absolutely love that song, dude. It's just such a catchy little ditty, mm-hmm. you know. Nice. Love that. I love that movie, love the soundtrack. But there's not a bad song on the soundtrack, man. And I really liked Urge Overkill's version the of Neil uh, Diamond. Neil Diamond, which, yeah. hey, man, but kudos to that episode. <laughs> the jazz singer. I yes, know. DJ, yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, DJ Metal Mike actually likes Neil Diamond. Oh, man. Don't you know, like it? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> the thing about it, if you, if you just like good singer-songwriter, I mean, you can't deny what a talented uh, writer of music he was. He's got an amazing voice. Dude, he fucking wrote some of the monkeys' biggest fucking hits. That's right. You know, Neil Diamond is the man. Yep. All right, let's go to your favorite gangster organized crime film. Or All give right. me a list of them, yeah. Okay, so there's, again, so many to choose from. I mean, you got Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed, classics like Little Caesar with uh, uh, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, But see? if I had to choose, I'd have to say Godfather. And part one beats part two by, I mean, a pubic hair, dude. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's almost like... Shit, it's almost one movie. It's so good. And, it is. Um, now, I'm not a Godfather 3 hater, but it was a step down from the first two films, you know. Um, yeah, there was no way you could compete, no matter even, yeah, even if it yeah, had I been great. It, yeah. I think it, it was just one of those things where it wouldn't have mattered, you know. And some people are like, well, maybe if you'd done it sooner, maybe that would have helped. I don't even know if that would have. I mean, those two movies are fucking flawless they are and and they they were missing duvall and and uh right duvall was which what now i want to know dude what was the deal with that why was duvall not in the movie could they not afford him it all came down to money he wanted he wanted his his share and all the money was going to pacino and so and pacino wasn't going to take a cut and duvall said i don't need this and that was it right on yeah so as simple as that and i think in the end it it really hurt from there and you can they can bash on Sofia Coppola all you want, but the the film, I don't know if it would have made a difference or not if she was or was not in that. So I don't think she was that awful, man. Well, she I wasn't. Mean, she wasn't great, but I, I don't think she killed no, the movie. No, she yeah. wasn't. No, she's not going to be fucking Meryl Streep. But goddamn, yeah. they make it out like she just was the worst actress ever. And well, I kind of, especially I mean, when funny they, because yeah. now she's become this successful, 
you know, independent movie director. Oh, she's great. Know? Yeah. No, but I think I think when people found out who they were originally going to cast, like Winona Ryder or, you know, potentially Julia Roberts, you know, something like that, they're like, well, come on. <laughs> you can't compare it to, to them. So, yeah. Well, according to Pacino, um, not Pacino, Coppola, his daughter only did it as a favor to him. Right. Because right. Winona Ryder backed out at the last minute. That's right. So, you know, it's like, man, give the girl a break. It wasn't that bad, man. I mean, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, I've seen worse. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, what is your favorite guilty pleasure movie? Got a couple. Um, I mean, you could you could throw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in there. Okay. Um, and these are kind of like silly little love stories, but Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, I love that movie. And, um, yeah, I do too. And I love Potion Number 9 because mm -hmm. Sandra Bullock's just a total fucking cutie. Was that her first movie? It might have been, dude. Yeah. It, well, it's the one where she met Tate, Tate Donovan. They became a couple for a while. That's, That's right. what's funny about Sandra. She's like the the famous female version of me. All her exes always want to be her friend. There you go. <laughs> well, it's funny about Can't Buy Me Love. That was the first movie I saw in a theater without my parents. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a good movie, man. I mean, I was just talking to my friend Sarah about it last night because we were going through these questions. And... uh you know, and it's kind of a deep, too, because, like, here's a character that, you know, he's nerdy. Very likable, though, and he kind of becomes a douche. He absolutely I mean, does. Like, it's almost you know, like, and, yeah. And then it's like it took, you know, but it was kind of interesting because I think the guy was just dense. He didn't realize that the girl was falling for him. That's right. And, and it's kind of like, you know, when people let money or power go to their head or fame, it's the same thing happened to him. Right, because, I mean, like, the last date they went when he went to the airplane graveyard and all that, yep. she's, like, getting into him, man, and, and he's not picking up on it at all. Once he had his reputation and he was Mr. Cool, he just slowly, yeah, just becomes a dickhead, man. And, yeah, instead of just but, being happy he finally got the girl, he let it go to his head. Yeah, but I love the part where he's, like, where he tells her, he's, like, you know, you did me a favor. You brought me back to reality, you know, and... Good, very good movie. Very underrated movie. Like, people want to call it, oh, it's a teenage rom-com, whatever. Good movie, man. No, it's totally, it's totally, and especially if you are burnt out, and I love John Hughes movies, but if you're burnt out just on the, the, the movies everyone talks about, those are good, like, ones that are, are definitely underrated. Oh, definitely. So let's get to which movies would you change the ending to, and then uh, also what are your favorite endings? You know, it's funny you asked me that, about which ones would I change the ending to. I had to think about this, but one immediately comes to mind. Because mm -hmm. I thought it was a great film, but the ending absolutely pissed me off. No Country for Old Men. Oh, interesting. Okay. I hated that ending. It was not an ending. It, it was it was just a so fucking anticlimactic. I'm like, what the what now to be fair to the cohen brothers i have a buddy of mine uh dan mccormick dan the man and dan straight up told me he's like mike that's the way the book ends it, it ends exactly like that oh so they held they held true yeah yeah they held true to the story so i i give him props but it was so good dude like and i thought yavier bardem was wow you want to talk about a great movie villain i have i'd have to put him on that list man he was amazing in that flick, man. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the ending was just kind of, I, I feel very anticlimactic, uh, almost to the point to where it, I, I still think it's a good movie, but I'm just like, the fuck kind of ending is this? Uh, as far as favorite endings, oh God, I got a ton of those. Okay. Uh, the original Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah. Fucking iconic. Dude. Yeah. I mean, just so iconic. It really is. Um, yeah. Soylent Green. Yeah. Love Inception. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that when he spins the top and then the camera just boom goes black. So it kind of leaves you. I like ambiguous endings. I'm going to admit that. 
so Psycho. Did I mention Psycho? Psycho. Yeah, yeah. definitely. The definitely. ending, um, Inception, Casablanca. I mean, Louis, oh, yeah. I think that's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Gotta love it. Yeah. The Maltese Falcon. Oh, yeah. Um, I love how he looks at her all sad, and then the guy's like, it's heavy. What is this? And he does that extra stuff the dreams are made of. <laughs> love that. Love it. Um, E.T., very heartwarming ending. The Usual Suspects, great ending there, man. Uh, Sixth Sense, Seven, Arrival. Have you seen Arrival, Brian? Oh, uh, no, actually, I have not seen Arrival. Oh, dude, yeah. you've got to watch it. Yeah. You have to watch it. It's really, really cool. You'll love it. You will love it. Um, Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah, um, which they're which they're working is, on a sequel right now. Well, they well there's technically a sequel already. Mm -hmm. See, if you've seen Split, right? That's Split, true. Split. Yeah, but of course you didn't know that till the end of the movie, and mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Which I enjoyed Split on its own. I thought it was a great film, but when I when when they added that, that was just like because I love Unbreakable, and for a long time that was on a list of movies I would have loved to have seen a sequel to, and it's really cool to see that Shyamalan's going to finally get to complete that story man i'm really looking forward to class sunset boulevard vertigo the godfathers part one and two blade runner the director's cut preferably but i like the theatrical ending too and of course the empire strikes back yep which that's a nice segue into our next uh, i think i know what your favorite sequel is uh <laughs> so we'll we'll kind of skip that one because we I, I figure it's empire but uh well sequels yeah. you have um you have it in plural that's so true that's true now. And then, uh, so your favorite sequels, movies you wish had a sequel, and then uh, which movie you wish that had just been left alone and never had a sequel? All right. My favorite sequels. Um, again, some of these are going to be a little bit repetitive, but Godfather Part Two, yep. Star Trek Two. I thought oh, was Rath amazing. Oh, Wrath yep. Oh, Wrath rules. It's by far the best Trek film ever, yep. in my opinion. Naked Gun Two and a Half. Love that movie. Oh, nice. Love <laughs> that movie. The Two Jakes. Yeah. Very underrated film, I feel. Um, which breaks my heart, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Blade 2. I dig all the Rocky sequels except for five. Okay. Christmas yep. Vacation, Back to the Futures 2 and 3. I know sometimes they get a little hate. Fuck them. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, The Dark Knight, Terminator 2, Aliens, and, of course, The Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely. Those are the ones that kind of came to my mind, but I'm sure there's other ones I like, too. Oh, and, you know, another uh, sequel that really surprised me because I feel like they did something – that I didn't think was possible. I didn't think it was as good as the original, but Dennis Villanueva, I thought, did a tremendous job with Blade Runner 2049. I'm like, I felt like I was back in that world or that that alternate future. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's as good as the original Blade Runner, but I liked it. But the fact that you, you know, because my big pet peeve with sequels is if you wait too long, you should just leave it as is. Right. So that, yeah. But the, the right. fact that it kept you, you know, really into it, that, that says something. That's what I'm saying, because I was very much like, okay, what the fuck, man? Like, it's been 30 years, you know? How are they going to do this? But I have to say, I liked it. Now, am I saying it's as good as Blade Runner? No, I'm not even saying it's like the greatest sequel I ever saw, but it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. So for that, I think Dennis Villanueva, and he's the guy directed Arrival, by the way. Okay. He deserves credit for that, in my opinion, because what he did, I mean, it's, it shouldn't have been possible at all. All right, so which movies do you wish had a sequel? Uh, here's a strange answer, but I did some research. Breakfast Club. 
Apparently, nice. John Hughes wanted to do a sequel, which would meet the or the characters would meet up ten years after the original, and he wanted to avoid any like lame ass makeup to make them look older or anything. So he had planned to wait until 1994 to even start production. Wow! Unfortunately, it never came to fruition, and some theorized that there was a falling out between Hughes and. Um, uh, you know, the rebel punk, uh, oh, Judd, uh, you know, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Yeah. yeah. John Bender. So, uh, which sucks, man, because, um, that would have been cool. That would have been, that would have been really cool. Yeah. You know, and I love John Hughes, man. I'm a big fan of his. I think he was great too. And we'll be getting so it's to a that. Shame. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a shame that that didn't, didn't happen, you know, because, uh, I think if anybody could have made a sequel to something like it would have been John. Yeah, it also and would have I, been. I was always curious to see what would happen to those characters after. Absolutely, know, like, it would have been interesting just to see the the day after, or the or the you know the Monday after. You know, would they have just gone back to normal? You know, that would have been right, interesting. Right, right, and, and not only that, but remember the the vice principal yep. is, is telling him, "Oh, John, you're going to be a bum. Yep. You're not going to amount to shit." And I just wanted to find out that John fucking proves that dickhead wrong. Yeah, you know, that he does become somebody. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, who knows? Um, and then which uh, movie? Also, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you also said movies that you wish had a sequel. That's right. Uh, up until a year or so ago, I would have said Unbreakable, but can't say that now. Um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit would have been awesome, and Zemeckis was planning it. Uh -huh. For whatever reason, it didn't get done. I absolutely love the original Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, it takes place during the golden age of animation. You know, you and I mean, come on, you get a movie where you got Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and Daffy and Donald sharing the screen. It's great. What's not the love? Man? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then here's the one: a sequel to L.A. Confidential would have been sweet, considering that James Elroy has written several novels featuring these characters. Numerous sequel options were in development, apparently, but none of it actually materialized, unfortunately, and I don't know if it ever will now. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been yeah, awesome. Yeah, because, I mean, I love L.A. Confidential, and the guy wrote, like, like seriously, one of the books is called White Jazz, and they were going to adapt it. Mm. And then I heard that the studio that was doing that, like the one studio, who Warner Brothers, was like, well, you can't have Guy Pierce. Mm. And the dude was like, well, then fucking forget it. You know, no, what's the you point he's doing it if I can't, you know. Absolutely. It, you know, it sucks, man, because I thought L.A. Confidential was an amazing movie. I totally agree. What is your least favorite sequel? Or should I say my least favorite? Yeah. It would also be one that should never have fucking been made, and that's Highlander. Okay. Good <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, that was horrible. And the entire Halloween franchise, with the exception of the third one. Yeah. So, but definitely your least favorite would be Highlander. Oh, yeah. And and um, one I never even bothered to watch was Blues Brother 2. Give me a 2000. Give me a fucking break. Oh, yeah. That that was my number one. I I was on the Vieira Vault and with Ian and, and Ralph, and that was by far my number one. Yeah. it's. it's I didn't even bother to watch it. it you shouldn't. It, you'll be – it was a sacrilege what they did to that that franchise. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, some of my least favorite sequels also, Hanover 2 and 3, weren't very good. I love the first one, but I was like, eh. Um, and I, I gotta say the, the Batman sequels to the 89 movie were all fucking awful. I felt, mm -hmm. and I gotta be honest, I might get some hate for this, but Batman 89 ain't that fucking great either. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Um, okay. I'm sorry. No, it's no, not, not at all. Uh, and, okay. Let me look at it this way. I, I give the movie it's due for the fact that yes, it kind of brought back superhero movies for yeah. Batman, the animated series. It opened the doors. We probably wouldn't even had a Christopher Nolan dark Knight trilogy without Batman 89. So for that, Brian, I'll give it its due, but it's not a good Batman story. Do you think if they had um, left it 
at just the first movie, it would have been okay? No. No, Because okay. I had issues with the first film. Got it. And again, you got to understand, though, I'm not just looking at it as a film fan. I'm looking at it as Batman fanboy. That's okay? true. Batman's my favorite DC character. And I'm going, and, 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 and here's the thing. Michael Keaton won me over. At first, I'm like, fucking Mr. Mom is Batman? What the <laughs> fuck? You know? But he won me over, especially as Batman. I, I think he made a better Batman than he made a Bruce Wayne. That's interesting. Honestly. Interesting. Okay. And I thought Nicholson was good as the Joker, but the first half I thought was really good, but it just kind of, again, there you go, a movie that the ending kind of was like, I, I just didn't get the whole, uh, like, they don't ever really explain the Joker's motivations in the movie. Like, in the, in, in, in the Dark Knight, you know why the Joker does what he does. That's true. It's just like Michael Caine says, some men just want to see the world burn. Yep. Jack Nicholson, it's like, okay, is he, it, it, it's almost like, well, he's a narcissist, he just wants to be bigger than Batman, and, sure. and, and he just, you know, it's, it's, well, it's art, and, um, and also, he was a dickhead before he became the Joker. Um, That's true. I, I don't know. And then to having him to be the murderer of Bruce's parents, I didn't like that at all. Because mm -hmm. that, that doesn't hold true to the original. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not to the source material at all. Right. And then they kill the Joker off on top of everything else. I'm like, man, fuck this movie. No, those are. <laughs> I those feel are... that way, and and I know I'm in the minority. I mean, I'm, I bet you're gonna have a lot of listeners going, "Hey, Michael." <laughs> No, they're all Sorry. valid. They're all valid points, but uh, I think what gets clouded, especially for me, you know, you got to remember back in 1989, the only superhero movie you really had was the Christopher Reeve version. So to get right. any sort of major box office superhero movie was a big deal, and oh. uh, and at the time that was that was the be all end all. And, and as far as other sequels, didn't care for Terminator Three mm -hmm. or Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. No, yeah, um, yeah, I was disappointed in that. Let's transition from sequels to the holidays. And what is your favorite holiday movie? Oh, Christmas Vacation. Nice. I adore that film. Aren't you having any breakfast? I'm not in the mood. What are you looking at? Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. Ah, yeah. You checked our shitters, honey? Clark, please. He doesn't know any better. He ought to know it's illegal. It's a storm sewer. If it fills with gas, I pity the person who lights a match within 10 yards of it. Merry Christmas! Shitter was full! You know, and there's a lot of other ones I have honorable mentions, of course, but every year I watch it. Every year, dude. I love that movie. I love the vacation movies, except for I haven't seen the new one. I hear it's horrible. Oh, that, that talk about a, a remake that should, we're going to get to that that should have never been made. There you go. Yeah, and that's on my list because yeah. what's sad about that is, <clears throat> even though technically, from what I understand, it's not really a remake because no, it isn't. the main character is Rusty. That's true. That's grown true. up. And that's you a good know, point. Then I guess you can call it a sequel. <laughs> and if that's a case, it's technically yeah. a sequel yeah. because Clark's not the main character, but he's still in it. Mm -hmm. He's grandpa, mm -hmm. you know. And and I, I was really upset because I'm like, talk about a missed opportunity. Oh, because yeah. I always thought, yeah, one of these days they'll have you know, as Chevy gets older, maybe he could hit, he could be to Rusty what Clark's dad was to him in the Christmas vacation. You yeah. know, like 
it, it would have been a cool thing to do if they'd have done it right. But from what I understand, I've not seen it, and I don't think I'm even going to now because everybody I've talked to is like, "Oh, Mike, it's fucking horrible." Yeah, I, I'm, never, I'm never. I've never. You got Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. You got Christina Applegate. Chevy Chase, it's just a shame. Yeah, I'm never the person to say like don't see it because you know it's in the eye of the beholder. But yeah, it's it's it doesn't compare. I even Vegas Vacation I think owns it too. <laughs> and then yeah, and there are bits and pieces of Vegas Vacation that are really good. So um, what are your honorable mentions for holidays? Um, a Christmas Story, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm -hmm. Die Hard, even though it's an action adventure no, movie, I, I consider it a yeah. movie. Yep. And of course, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the <laughs> ultimate Thanksgiving movie. Absolutely. I guess in a way you could say Halloween. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trick or Treat yep. is a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, Grinch stole Christmas. And I love the 1955 Scrooge movie with Alistair Smith. Or Al uh, Al Alistair Sim. Alistair Sims, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. My bad. Alistair Smith. Where the fuck yeah. did I get that? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I know who Alistair yeah. Smith is. Yeah. He's a Spider-Man villain. He's the guy who builds all them fucking crazy spider slayers. Jeez, Mike. Anyway, <laughs> Alistair Sims. Love that version because it's it's the one the one I've read that was literally like reading the Charles Dickens book. Right. Word for word. Yep. It's very faithful. Um it's by far, I think, the best version of Christmas Carol. But another one I'm, I'm very partial to is the 1970 musical with Albert Finney. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love, I love that version. Yeah. And I'm not really big on musicals, but I like it. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the movies you hate but everyone else loves? Oh, fuck. Um, Independence Day. Ah, I there you go. <laughs> I thought it sucked. Yep. I thought the story was stupid. It started off good. Like most Roland Emmerich movies, starts off good and then ends really bad. I just don't, you know, it's just, it's okay. Like, for instance, they figure out how to fly the alien ship and they have like controls and seats like humans. It's like they're fucking aliens. <laughs> it, I don't know. I just thought it was really a bad movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I never did care for it. And people were like, oh, my God. And every Bi Michael Bay film. Yeah, there you go. You and, and, and I don't like, uh, I don't really care much for Ghost either. I think that movie's totally overrated. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't get it. You know, everybody's like, oh my God, it's so good. And I'm like, this movie just preys upon people who lost them. There you go. Yeah. That's all it does, mm -hmm. man. It's it's not that good a movie. The story structure's retarded. Everything about that movie sucks. Mm -hmm. all right, and Whoopi won a got Oscar for what? Yeah. She's 100 times better in a color purple. There you go. That's actually a good 100 point. times fucking better. Yep. And she wins an Oscar for that piece of shit? Yep. Give me a fucking break, man. <laughs> Movies that you think are just too long. I'll tell you one, and you could even put this as I don't even say I don't even gonna say I hate this movie. Okay. No, you don't you don't have to think you can actually like no, it. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Well, okay, there's there's a few that I think might be a little too long. Mm -hmm. Um but uh, but I like yeah. and I'll throw those out there. But one that I thought was too long and boring as fuck and I fell asleep is the English patient. Ah, there you go. Yep. I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I didn't get why I'm like, this one best picture? Why? <laughs> oh my god. But I mean, obviously, I think um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I love them. They're great. But they got a little ridiculous with the 57 endings in the third installment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I even got the extended versions, which are great. Like when you're at home chilling on your couch and the air conditioning, man. I love longer movies. I love seeing things that, you know what I mean? I do. I, I love that. But not when you're in the theater, you know. And it, uh, so I think those movies are a bit too long. Lawrence of Arabia. 
Uh-huh. Is another one. Yeah. A little too long, but great movie. I'm not knocking it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking it. But yeah, when you're in the theater, man, by the time that movie's done, because I went to see a special screening of it, wow, I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Which film do you quote the most? Uh, probably a toss up between Star Wars or Clerks, believe it or not. The Star Wars films or Clerks. Wow, what a, what a discrepancy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I mean, there's other ones too. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs is another one I quote a lot. Naked Gun. Airplane. I quote Airplane all the time. Oh, hell yeah. Love Airplane. What's your favorite underdog movie? Oh, Rocky. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close. Mm -hmm. I mean, Karate Kid and Rudy are honorable mentions and they're good movies. But for me, Rocky. The original Rocky is, is amazing. Absolutely. What is your favorite romance movie? Casablanca. Nice, nice. Love it, love it, love that movie. Uh, when Harry met Sally. And another one that you could say it's kind of science fiction because it involves time traveling. But it was my mom, one of her all-time favorite movies. So, um, And it is a good movie, I think. It's Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. That's I love right. that movie. That's a good point. And that's actually really the only other movie Christopher Reeve was, was in that he was well-known for. Right. Yeah, besides Superman, obviously. Uh, right. What, what is your favorite black and white movie? Oh, wow. Uh, The Maltese Falcon. But I could say pretty much any black and white movie featuring Humphrey Bogart. I absolutely love that guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I love The Maltese Falcon. It's one of my favorite. Um, You could also throw that in the film noir category. Definitely. Um, Definitely. I I love Maltese Falcon. I love everything about it. I might even like it more than Casablanca. That's saying something. Did you ever read the novel? Yes. Okay. The the movie is very, very close to the novel. Word for word, dude. Like the whole speech he gives her at the end is right out of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you? Uh, yeah, a long time ago because it was yeah. we had to read it for school and uh, and then I had really actually, yeah they had that as required reading. Yeah, man, you went to a cool school. I know. I had I know. to read. I had to read stupid shit like <laughs> the old man in the sea. That book is fucking pointless, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am sorry, but yeah. it is. I mean, they, some of the books they had us read were cool, but man, I would have. Man, I'd have been all about Maltese I know. Falcon. I've been happy with anything with Mark Twain, you know, but the, the fact we oh, got yeah. Dashiell Hammett was Mark great. Mark Twain's awesome, too. Yeah. What is the first radar movie you saw, whether it be a theater or TV? What, what, um, yeah. I answered that question earlier, okay. The Exorcist. Nice, nice. Um, what is the worst remake you think oh, you've ever seen? Oh, God. There's a bunch of them. Okay, let's go at it. Psycho by Gus Van Sant. <laughs> Waste of fucking celluloid. Like... What was the point? Have you ever seen it? No, I didn't bother. I couldn't bring myself to do it. You know, honestly, I mean, I barely remember the sequels. So I, I, I love the original so much, I couldn't bring myself to see it. Okay, those. well, here, here's the thing. I thought, oh, well, maybe this is going to be a new take on it. Sure. I didn't know. You know I thought, I'll give it a chance because I was thinking, well, maybe they're going to show it from Norman's point of view. You know, kind of like, a, oh, I don't know, Bates Hotel, do it differently, you yeah. know? Because I don't have a problem with a remake. Just like I don't have a problem with a band doing a cover tune as long as you put your stamp on it. Right. You know, but this was horrible, dude. They shot it frame for frame like the original. It has the same exact score. Uh, All the differences is different actors and it's in color. Yeah. It fucking sucks. It was pointless. It's just pointless. I'm like, why are we even making this? Like, it's the most pointless movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be one of them. For sure. The 1976 King Kong, terrible. <laughs> With Jessica Lange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's the only good thing about it. Oh, she's beautiful yeah. in that movie, yes. Karate Kid, the remake. Terrible. Oh, yep. Arthur sucks. Uh, Pink Panther with Steve Martin. Mm. Fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. 
the Bad News Bears with Billy Bob yes. Thornton. Horrible. And Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Good God. Nice. Nice. Now, I like the ones that Matt Reeves did. The sure. trilogy, they just, those were really good because, again, they did it different from the original. The, Tim Burton's was just like, what? It was just fucking stupid. And the ending was retarded and made absolutely no sense mm -hmm. whatsoever. Now, let's get positive. What are your favorite remakes? Oh, John Carpenter's The Thane. I'm a mm -hmm. fan of the original Thane because my dad, you sure, know? Sure, sure. And I thought Carpenter did a phenomenal job. He did it totally different from the original. In fact, believe it or not, the thing is actually – even the original version is based on a science fiction story called Who Goes There. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Carpenter's version is much closer to the book than the original. Than the original. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing about the original. I do love it because my, my mom showed it to me. But you barely see the thing. That's, that's yeah, yeah, right. You know, but uh, I mean, it's good. It's yeah. a good movie. It's a classic, you know, but it's a slow man, burner. Yeah. But the fucking the, the remake was just beautiful, man. Yeah. I mean, Carpenter, he did a phenomenal uh, job. The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Yep. Beautiful movie. Uh, love it. Think it's it's just amazing. Um, the Departed. With Jack Nicholson, believe it or not, is a remake of That's a Chinese film true. called Infernal Affairs, which I have seen. I've seen the Infernal Affairs series. That's why I'm a little disappointed because I was kind of hoping because the the second Infernal Affairs goes back into time. Okay. It, it goes to show you how the, the character that Nicholson was based on rises to power. I was kind of hoping they were going to do that with The Departed, but they didn't. And it's, it's kind of loosely based on the Whitey Bulger story. Right. Too. Yeah. I know. Yeah. He kind of loosely based it on Whitey Bulger. But the, the, the whole idea of, of a cop infiltrating the, 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 the crime mob. syndicate yeah. and somebody from the crime syndicate, that's from Infernal Affairs. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Absolutely. Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers. Ah, uh, yeah. 1978. Yep. Classic. Southern. Classic. Yep. Little Shop of Horrors, 1986. Uh-huh. That's a fun one. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, one I wouldn't say I, I, I absolutely love, but again, there's two I'm going to give honorable mention to. It's not that I really even thought they were great. They weren't bad, but uh, they weren't as good as the original either. But I thought I got to give them props for putting their stamp on it. And One's the day the earth stood still. I thought, okay, they did it differently. They didn't. You know, because obviously the original films done during the Cold War era, mm -hmm. and it's all about nuclear war and all this. Where and the remake, it's more about. There's that line he even says, you know, the planet can live without you, but you cannot live without the planet. Mm. You know, like you know, basically it's more of an environmental thing that if we don't keep, if we don't stop doing what we're doing, there ain't gonna be a fucking Earth left. Sure. And uh, I really liked it. I liked that take on it that, you know, it wasn't as good as the original, but I like the fact that uh, that's what he basically tells the girl. You know, he's like, hey, you know, the world can exist without you, but you people cannot exist without the world. That's you right. know, that's right. And, uh, you know, basically, you either need to stop doing what you're doing or else, which is kind of what he did in the original. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, you guys are killing everybody each get other. Along or yeah. We're going to fuck you up. That's man, right. You know, um, which I love the original. Yeah. I think the original is one of the greatest science fiction films of all time, and it was so far ahead of its time. Oh, it totally Another was. Another movie that was scored by Bernard Herrmann, by the way. Ah, there you go. Yep. And uh, and I and I got to give props to, and I know people are going to be like, "What the fuck?" But I didn't think the RoboCop remake was that bad, and I'll tell you why. Mm. For one reason, they didn't. They did it differently. They didn't do it just like you know. For one, it's a bomb instead of him getting shot. And in some ways, what happens to Murphy in that I thought was even more horrible because in the original he gets his brains blown out. I mean, Murphy really essentially is pretty much dead. Really, I mean, he's got some remnant memories, but 
he doesn't re- like he even says to his partner, I remember them, but I don't feel them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the remake, dude, he remembers his life as Murphy. Ah, okay. He he realizes who he is. He wakes up and he's in this metal body freaking the fuck out. I'm like that. I don't know which is worse. Right. You know, like I don't know which is worse. Like in that one, he he he's still Murphy. He knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly, you know, and it's kind of, you know, I mean, really all that was left was his fucking head, dude. Right. And some of his torso. Like he is totally, you know, it, it was sad. It was really sad because when he wakes up, he's just horrified, you know, to see what's happened to him and. And I'm like, wow, you know, again, I don't know which is worse. So I got to give them props for trying. At least they didn't try to read it. You know, it was a remake. Yeah, but they, they tried to put their stamp on it. Right. And I got to give them I got to give them props for that. Yeah, definitely. So, Absolutely. You know. oh, yeah, go ahead. Another one more last one. Sure. His Girl Friday remake of the front page. And A Star is Born with Judy Garland. Because the original one, I think, had Frederick March. It did. And actually, I'm really looking forward to the the one that's coming out with Lady Gaga and Bradley, Bradley Cooper. I, me too, dude. Me too. I think it's going to be really cool, man. It looks like, you know, you know who was going to direct that originally? No, who? It was supposed to be Clint Eastwood. And oh. Clint decided to retire, and Bradley's like, what the fuck, dude? And yeah. Clint's like, Bradley, you need to make this movie. You can do it. Yeah. You can do it, son. Because they worked together on American Sniper, and he's like, "You can do it." So Bradley's like, "Okay, I guess I'm going to do it." Nice. So, yeah, I, I, I hope it looks like it's going to be really good. I, it, yeah, and I think she's got an amazing voice, and I'm, I, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and also Bradley's a damn good actor. He is. He, I've yeah. enjoyed a lot of his movies. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, okay, what is your favorite '80s movie song? I know this is hard, but if you had to pick one, honestly, it wasn't yeah. really that hard for me, oh, man. Really? Okay. Um, I mean, I love Ghostbusters, and there's some other good ones, but I I have to say, man, uh, The Power of Love by Huey Lewis. It just takes me back to that time when that movie came out, and I was dating this girl who had a crush on Michael J. Fox, so we went to see the movie, and it always takes me back to that moment. That's awesome, and so I'll give you a teaser because it's probably going to come after – uh, we're going to do it, but we're we're going to be recording the Back to the Future soundtrack episode probably this week. So, oh, right on, so man! So definitely, I'll power, be looking forward to that. Absolutely, Power Love will be on there. So, all right. So, what is your favorite? Because you and I, when we were in Nashville, we were all not only were we talking lots of music, but we were also talking sports. So, what is your favorite yes. sports movie? Oh, my favorite movie of all time. That was a tough one, dude, because there's so many good ones. Um, I mean, you could even kind of say that Rocky technically is a sports movie oh, because absolutely. it's about a boxer. Absolutely. Um, you know, and of course I like Cinderella Man a lot. Mm-hmm. Another underdog story and more importantly a true story. That's true. Let's see. Let me think about this. Um, actually, I, I do have a story written, but there's some other ones that I want to give on mention, but believe it or not, Major League. I love that movie, dude. Major League is so fucking funny. Oh, I, I agree. I can watch it over and over again. Um, I love the guy who played the coach when he pisses on Corbin Burns. Oh, I know. He just, he's so the whole cool. movie. Yeah. It was just great. Like, nice catch, Hayes. Yeah. Don't fucking do it again. Damn it, Dorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was such a great movie, man. Um, he kind of reminds you of Mick a little bit. He's kind of got that cr- gruff, you know, exterior. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I, I love Major League. Uh, the Natural is a great film. Yep. I like... Um, North Dallas 40 with Nick, uh, Nick with Nolte. Uh, Nick Nolte. Yep. That's a really good one. Yep. Um, I also like Semi-Tough with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, 
Rest in peace, big guy. Yep. And I um, I really like uh, The Longest Yard, also with Burt Reynolds. There's so many good sports movies, man. Rudy's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, am I missing anything? I don't know. Because there's so many good ones. But I would I would throw those on my list. Uh, no, those oh, are, those Eight are... Men Out. I love Eight Men Out. Oh, yeah. I think that's I, – I, you could do one just on baseball movies. I think baseball movie kind of – you know, they lend themselves to that poetic nature. They really of film. do. They really do. You know, and it's – I felt sorry for those guys. Oh, yeah, because like, they were just shills. was not yeah. right. It wasn't right, and, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have been punished. But, you know, I mean those guys were treated like – it's funny how the pendulum swings too far one Absolutely. way or another. Because – those owners and that Kaminsky guy was a fucking asshole. Absolutely. I looked up and I did research. He fucked those guys. That's why they did what they did. Absolutely. There's they a were great fucking fed up with his bullshit. Yeah, there's a great scene in the movie where the, I, I forgot his name. I think it's played the pitcher, and he was he had twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he had he had twenty nine wins, and you know I think to get his bonus he needed thirty wins, and, and Kaminsky wouldn't budge, and you know it was like. Come on, the guy won 29 ball games. I mean, different era, but still, uh, you know, he won a third of their games, and he wouldn't give him a bonus. So yeah, I mean, come on, yeah, you wonder and he why had, he had the coach bench him on purpose. Yeah, I mean, what a douchebag. Oh, that, and but you're so right about the, how the pendulum swung because now players are asking insane amounts, and it actually hurt baseball this year where. Uh, the agents were asking for too much money, and the owners finally said, "Okay, well, then you can sit." And then they had to sign lesser contracts. So, yeah, so it's really interesting with what's happening nowadays. Well, essentially, and the same thing with the NFL. You're looking at a battle between billionaires, between billionaires and, and millionaires. Right. I, I don't know. You know, I especially with football, those guys they put their bodies at risk. So I think they do deserve a. A, a lot of money, man, because, you know, I can understand them trying to get what they can get. You know, I get it. I get it. And my fa- there's two parts in that, well, several parts, but the one where the guy even goes, when he says, you you can get somebody, you can get nine, eight players to throw the world. I find that hard to believe. And Michael Rooker goes, that's because you never played baseball for Warren Kaminsky. And I was like, oh, that's right. You know, like there was that line. And then I love the part where he's like um, where David Strathairn says to his wife, he's like, you know, they're coming to see us play. Yeah. You know, but who's looking at a jail sentence and who's counting all the money? That's the goddamn conspiracy. And that's what I mean. I felt sorry for him. And I really felt sorry for Buck Weaver because I don't think he did anything wrong. No. And, and there's and they're not sure about Truist Joe either. You know, they, they don't know if he was yeah. just kind of a pawn or he just was, you know, he overheard something. Um, but he his batting average, I think he hit well in you know, like the 350s. But again, you don't know if he held up on a fly ball or he threw to a wrong base. I mean, any little thing could affect the game, but still. But to be banned from baseball no, for know. life, I, I was like, damn, Kennesaw, you don't fuck around. Well, that, and they were actually acquitted in a court of law. Now, you could say that was, that was rigged, but still, I mean, to get acquitted legally and then to still get banned from baseball was, you know, pretty crazy. Right. It was fucked up. Man. Yeah. Uh, great picks. What's your favorite heist movie? Reservoir Dogs. Nice. I mean, I love that movie. It's a heist gone bad, but it's still a heist movie. <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, what is your favorite book to movie adaptation? Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that was a that was a, a remake because uh, people forget. Um, God, what was it called? It was um, something Hunter. It came out. Actually, yeah. actually, it's not. Okay. Um, the first book with Hannibal Lecter is Red Dragon. Right, right. 
and Silence of the Lambs is the sequel to it. Right, no, no, I'm talking about Manhunter the, yeah. is a version of Silence Red of the Dragon. Lambs. Oh, is it? Okay, got it. Yes. Okay. The only difference between Manhunter and Red Dragon is the ending. It's very similar. Okay. But yeah, Silence yeah. of the Lambs, if you wanted to go villain, I mean, between Buffalo Bill, uh, I don't oh, really, yeah. I don't even consider Anthony Hannibal Lecter a villain. <laughs> yeah, I should have put him on the list earlier, man. I mean, Anthony Hopkins was brilliant in that role. Yeah, and you can argue he's not even the villain in it. So. Right, yeah. and um, also think, like, you got to give honorable mention to, like, the Lord of the Rings to take that story and adapt it. I got to give them props for that. Sure, man. sure. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite cult classic movie? Oh, man, a tie between Big Trouble in Little China and <laughs> the Rock and Horror Picture Show. Nice. Uh, what is your favorite musical? And then maybe I know. <laughs> Actually, I have two. Okay. Uh, Shop of Horrors yep. and the 1970s Scrooge musical with Albert Finney. Nice. So not Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I did. I, well, I, I, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, I guess in a way Rocky Horror would be on that list as well. Yeah. I was thinking cult classic, but yeah, it is a musical, so you could that definitely fits on that one too. There you go. Okay, cool. Uh, what is your favorite uh, food to eat at the theater? Um, popcorn, but yeah. I'm a big sucker for um pretzel and cheese oh nice that sounds good right now actually <laughs> i know all right right what is your favorite buddy cop movie lethal weapon hands down yeah absolutely and and so do you do you like the sequels too or do or just the original i do i do um i think some are better than others i gotta be honest with you i think after lethal weapon how many did they make? Four? Four, yeah. And the last one was with yeah. Chris Rock. Yeah, I thought the first one was good. I thought the second one was pretty good. The third one was eh. And the fourth one I thought was really good because you had Jet Li as the villain. So yeah. Uh, what is your favorite movie animal? So it doesn't have to be, you know, the film doesn't have to be specifically about the animal, but a character in the film that's an animal, uh, what, what's your favorite? Well, I'll tell you in a song. Here, yeller, come back, yeller. <laughs> really? Dog on dog in the West. Dude, old yeller rules, man. It it totally scarred me for life, though. <laughs> it, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking ending, man. What is your favorite true story movie? Goodfellas. Yeah. But I would have to say Eight Men Out would be a close second, you know, and maybe a few others, but uh, Cinderella Man. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Goodfellas, yeah. Absolutely. Henry Hill is a trip, man. <laughs> yeah, he is. What's your favorite trilogy? And I maybe I know this one, but maybe you'll surprise yeah, me. Yeah, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah Star definitely. Wars. Well, we kind of But, touched, I mean, yeah. I love Back to the Future. I love the Indiana Jones trilogy, which, mm -hmm. you know, count the fourth one. So yeah, I agree. There's a lot of them. We're, we kind of touched upon this, but now we can get kind of in-depth about it. What is your favorite John Hughes movie? You know, I, I struggled with this one because there's so many of them I love so much. But I would have to say probably Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, really? Interesting. Yes. Uh, it's just for a lot of different reasons. It's very funny. It was, And one is, it, you know, because to me there's John Hughes, he could do he could do a movie about high school kids like i don't know anybody that captured teenage angst as great as he did yeah it's like he never forgot what it was like to be a teenager because yeah i know things are different in 2018 uh, as they are to like 78 or 98 or 88 or whatever your formative years were but there's just something universal about being a teenager and john had his finger on the pulse of that mm -hmm. in my opinion yeah, no, I agree. But, and, it, it, but when it came to adult films, and I don't mean like X-rated. No, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, you know, uh, um, planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, I love Steve Martin. 
And I love John Candy, and I thought the chemistry between them was really wonderful. And I, I got to admit, man, when you find out what's going on with them by the end of the movie, when, when Steve pieces it together, like something's not right here, and you find out the poor guy's homeless and his wife died, yeah. it, it, I mean, that fucking grabs the heartstrings. It did me, man. I ain't going to lie, man. I'm like, I, I ain't going to say I cried, but I can't goddamn close. I'm like, goddamn it, man. And then he takes him into his home. It's just a beautiful film. Man. It is, and you go through the range of emotion because he is really annoying. You know, John Candy's definitely got his faults, but uh, Steve Martin's no prize either because he can. he's really kind of cantankerous, you know, the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice that they both find, at, by the end of the movie, a common ground and they, they actually respect one another. Yeah, because Johnny's a clutch and he's kind of obnoxious and loud, but he had a good heart. Absolutely, absolutely, and you find that out towards the end. So and Steve did too. I mean, come on, man! Especially by the end of the movie, he, t- he invites the man into his home. Oh, I mean, absolutely! It's a great film. It's just a great film. It is. Uh, what movie did you watch once? Uh, you enjoyed it, but you would never watch again. Like one and I done. I got two. Okay. I got two. Nice. Chandler's List. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was a little too much for me, yeah. man. You know, how do you watch um, that over and over film. again? Yeah. Well, well, you know, uh, believe it or not, my my nephew Kane has watched it more than once, okay. and the reason why he gave me a compelling reason. Mm-hmm. You know, DJ Kane. Yep. Has shows on that metal station, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. Check it out. Uh, but DJ Kane, he just said, "Well, Uncle Mike," he goes. What I love about it is the fact that it it's triumph through will, mm-hmm. like. Here's a guy, like when you first meet Schindler, he's kind of a douche. And he becomes a better person by the end of the story. And he also saved so many lives, man. And to Christopher, it's that's his real name. It's very touching to him. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, so yes, he said, yes, it's hard to watch what the Germans do. But to him, it's like, um. It's this. It's it's a it's a triumph over um, tragedy. It's a, it's a triumph over evil. And I, and I'm like, okay, I can see that. I can see that. So you know, but it's still one of those ones where I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from, bud, but I don't really want to watch that movie. No, again. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Too it's depressing a for me. Yeah. What was the other movie? Passion of the Christ. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Same thing. What what are your favorite character actors? Well, I'm gonna go old school here on a lot of them, but uh, I'm gonna just make a list. Charles Bickford. There you go. Yeah. Love him. Love him, man. He was great. And what's funny about him is, believe it or not, when he started out, he was a leading man. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes all the way back to silent movies, bro. That's right. And um, he was a leading man, and he kind of got into it with one of his directors and ended up knocking him out. And something happened to him. I can't remember what it was, but it, it got, I think he was, like, sick for a while, and he couldn't work for a while. And what happened because of that, because he wasn't in the spotlight anymore, he was no longer a leading man. He became a character actor. But he was happier for it. Yeah. He loved being a character actor because he was like, I get to play all these different characters. I get to play good guys, villains, all these different eccentric parts. And if the movie tanks, nobody can blame me for it. Yeah. Because – you know how it goes, man. If a movie flops, oh, it's the director's fault. It's the actor's fault. You can't blame the character you know, actors for that. Yeah, you can't blame. Yeah, all right. So, uh, but Peter Laurie is another one. Oh, absolutely. Yes, Rick. Yes, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, J.K. Simmons. Oh, he's great. Paul Giamatti. Definitely. George Sanders. Yep. Benicio del Toro and Claude Rains. Man, there's just so many to fucking name. James Cromwell's another one. He's great. All the guys are fucking great. Uh, Sidney Greenstreet. Yep, absolutely. Um, great, great actors, man. Great picks. Have you ever met a celebrity and it doesn't have to be an actor? Um, I met Ozzy Osbourne twice. Nice. How, how'd that go? Oh, it's amazing. He, he, 
the first time I met Ozzy, believe it or not, was in 87. And he really? was uh, doing a uh, – he wasn't doing a musical tour. He was doing like a, a signing tour, okay. going to different record stores. Um, Tribute had just dropped. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, at Street Side Records, man, and uh, I believe it's Street Side Records. It might have been Vintage Vinyl. Fuck, it's been so long ago. And um, there was like over 2,000 people in the parking lot. It was insane. Oh, I bet. And, we and it was this hot-ass day. And, you know, I, I got my album, my vinyl, which I still own, Tribute, getting ready for Ozzy oh, nice. to sign it. Yeah. Went to go get my, my, my sister-in-law. You know, she was pregnant with DJ King. I said, Patty, Ozzy, we're getting ready to walk in, and we come in. And the poor girl, she didn't have any money, so she couldn't really get anything signed. The minute Ozzy sees her, he literally stops everything he's doing, Brian. Comes over to her, has her sit down. He's like, come here, honey, sit down for me under this cool fan. You know, he's got that English accent. Yeah. yeah. Would you like some water? He pours her water, dude, ice water. Mm-hmm. You cool down, honey, you know. It's too fucking hot. What are you doing here? You know, it's all like, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was just really super sweet to her, to all of us. Um, she didn't have anything to sign, and he was like, hey, give me that fucking banner down there. So it's this, like, banner with the same. He signs it for her, took pictures with her. Where her literally, her her belly is sticking out. Yeah. So I always joke with Kane. I'm like, Dad, dude. And it's got Ozzy on, her hand, on her, his hand on her belly. I'm like, dude, you've been touched by the, the maestro of metal. That's right. Like, Ozzy, man, you know, and, and he's like, he gets a big kick out of, obviously. Oh, he so, should. yeah, he, yeah. he uh, uh, Ozzy was a sweet, sweet guy, man. Um, and I, I already I, loved him because I'm, you know, you know me, I love Black Sabbath. Oh, me Ozzy, too. Absolutely. I, I was just like, oh my God, dude, you fucking rule. And I, I just remember, and I was just a kid at the time, I think it was like 16, 17 years old, and I just said, thanks, Ozzy. He goes, yeah, man, fucking thank you. <laughs> you know, and it was just so cool, man. What is your, and we're going to get into Disney now, what is your favorite animated uh, Disney movie and what's your favorite live action Disney movie? Okay, the, the, the animated one I struggled with a bit because there's so many good ones, but I finally settled on Bambi. Bambi just is just a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Uh, live action, this is an old one, but God, it's so good. Treasure Island. Oh, yeah, that's a good I one. I love that version of Treasure Island. It's mm-hmm. so good, man. And the guy who played Long John Silvers, I can't remember his name, but he was so matey. He was so good. <laughs> That's a great pick. Nobody picked that in the original episode, so I'm glad you picked that one. Now we're going to get something we both love, and that is, what is your favorite Universal uh, monster movie? Bride of Frankenstein. Nice, nice. Love that movie. Yeah. I think I love them all, but man, it's just so good. That's a, a case where I feel like the sequel is better than the original. Man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what agree. was his name? James Whale? Yeah, who, who? Yeah, the original director. So talented. Yeah. So, um, so talented, man. I thought that he did such a tremendous job on that film. Yep. And the greatest parody, one of the greatest parodies, uh, Young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. I love that movie, yep. dude. All right, let's go to our city themes. And uh, what's your favorite San Francisco movie, New York movie, and Chicago movie? Okay, I, I kind of struggled with this because part of me wanted to say Vertigo. Yeah. Then another part of me wanted to say Bullet. But one I also have a lot of, um, um sentiment for is basic instinct that yeah. is such a good movie it is you know i mean everybody always wants to focus on the sexuality and the nudity which don't get me wrong i like that too sure it's a good almost very hitchcockian type movie yeah I felt. great thriller uh, yeah great thriller i loved it man i think it's a movie that hitchcock would have liked yeah that and i think you know too much gets thought of the, like you said the sexuality but the story itself is tremendous and uh, janine Triplehorn's terrific in that role oh yeah i felt the whole everybody's performances was great, and yep. I felt 
the anguish that Michael felt when yeah. he realized she didn't have a gun. Like, you know, it was so sad, you know. And, yeah. And man, did she fucking set her up. Oh, Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Um, um, and, I mean, even I wondered if maybe she was the killer, you know. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe she is, you know. They did a really good job of making you wonder, was it her? Was it not? Yeah, even at the end. Cause, yeah, because even if you remember – that one guy, character actor, but he's the guy who's describing who wrote the whoever did this, you know, basically, you know, and I like what uh, his buddy, another great character actor, who was it? What's the guy's name? The guy who played his best friend, Gus. Yes, I can't. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But he goes, about. well, you know, anyway, look at it, Doc. We're looking at a total fucking loon, you know, like <laughs> whether it was the writer who killed him or whether it's somebody emulating it. This is bad news, man. You know, it's bad. It's bad times. Yeah. Great, great movie. Great movie. What about your New York movie? Um, I have several, but I picked Taxi Driver. Oh, yeah. Because I just feel like New York is such a, it's, New York is almost like a character in that film. Yeah. Into itself. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why I picked it. But I mean, my God, you could go Godfather. You could go, uh, uh, Ghostbusters. Um, Sure. There's a lot of great films that have been made or, or about New York. Tootsie. Yeah, you could go on and on, you mm-hmm. know. Great, but I, I I had to pick a Taxi Driver because I wanted to pick a movie where I'm like, to me the city's almost a character in the film, and I feel that way about Basic Instinct. That's a good point. You, know, you could almost say it with Vertigo too. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, and Bullet, you know, the Streets of San Francisco. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what about Chicago? You know what? I kind of picked an unconventional one. I mean, of course, I could have went Untouchables, and I love the Untouchables. It's a great movie. Yep. But uh, about last night. That was on my list. Absolutely. Love that movie. Love that movie. And I think Jim Belushi should have won a fucking award of some kind for his uh, portrayal of his best friend. He was hilarious. Yeah, he doesn't get enough credit about it. He, he was oh, actually a good comedian. No. Not at all. I love Jim Belushi. Don't get me wrong. I love John too, but I love Jim just as much, man. Sure. For different reasons. But he's a really talented, very funny guy and a great actor. Like, even when he's done dramatic stuff, yeah. he's really good, you know, and and he does kind of get overlooked sometimes, man. Very underrated. Yeah, and it's not his fault. He just kind of always has to live under the shadow of, of John. Right, yeah. right, you know. Mm-hmm. And then last city question. This was a fun one. Uh, what's your favorite movie with <laughs> city in the title? Uh, well, I had a, um, I had a, a few of them. Okay. Uh, Detroit Rock City. Ah, of course. I'm, you gotta love Kiss. Yeah. Oh, my God, Kiss. Um, <laughs> actually, though, I was a little disappointed with Detroit Rock City, though. It's good, but it's it could have been better. Yeah, it tried too hard to be dazed and confused. Right, yeah. right, right. I felt the same way. So personally, honestly, it would be L.A. Confidential. Oh, because it yeah. actually names a city, a real city into – I mean Detroit does too, but um, – but, and I just love that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. What's your favorite documentary? Cocaine Cowboys, hands fucking down. Mm, okay. You ever seen it? No, so give me a little bit about this. Oh, dude, it's fucking awesome. Okay. It might still be on Netflix, but look it up, Brian. Okay. You won't credit. it. It's basically about the cocaine wars in Miami mm. in the late 70s, early 80s. It's about the entire cocaine trade, how coke was snuck into um, this country. It's about the Medellin cartel. Mm. Uh, it also talks about the woman they called the godmother, um, which was uh, – what the hell was her name, man? She was e- evil. Griselda Blanco. That's her name. Okay. Um, apparently, they've even done a movie about her called Cocaine Godmother with Catherine Zeta-Jones. I've never seen it. Oh, wow. Wow. But she was 
evil, man. Like, they called her the Black Widow. She's the reason why things came to a head, because she was so fucking batshit crazy. Like, um, the guys who were transporting the cocaine in kept saying, the government, nobody had a clue. They had no idea how they were doing what they were doing. They could have been going, it could have been going on forever, dude, if she hadn't brought so much heat with all the violence and stupid shit right. that she was pulling. So, um, anyway, it's, 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 um, it's a wonderful documentary. They got the guy who did the music for Miami Vice to do the music. It, you, you've got to watch this movie. Okay, dude. definitely. It's outstanding documentary, man. I cannot speak highly. And they even got like an ultimate edition that they did too. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out if you can. Cocaine nice. Cowboys. Awesome. Uh, what's your favorite movie that then became a TV show? Fargo. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then what's your opposite? What's your favorite TV show that then became a movie? The Untouchables. Oh, good. Yeah, good call. Good call. Uh, what's a famous movie you have not seen? All right, it, I've haven't seen. I'm, I can't really say I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen it all the way through. I'm not a big fan of the Sound of Music. Dude. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, and I like Julie Julie Andrews, right? Julie Andrews. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just. I don't know, man. I just can't get in that fucking movie, dude. I've tried, brother. Mm -hmm. I just can't get into it. I'm just like, oh, you know. Well, hey, it's not for everyone. That's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Because everybody, I had the ten of music. I'm like, I don't get it. Well, there <laughs> you, you know? go. So you'd rather go to prison, which is our next, uh, than watch the ten of music. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite prison movie? Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Midnight Express is great. Yeah. I like Murder in the First, which actually is. It's a shame that movie came out so close to Shawshank because I think it kind of got overshadowed mm -hmm. by Shawshank. Now I do think Shawshank's a better film, but Kevin Bacon's performance in that was fucking phenomenal. I thought. Yeah. I don't think ba uh, Kevin gets enough credit for as good at acting actor as he is. No, I agree. I absolutely like that part where he tells his lawyer, you just don't know. You don't understand what it's like. And he's like, what's like, and they just fucking flips it. Alcatraz. Like he would rather die than go back there, man. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, it was just a great performance and a really, really good movie, man. Not as good as Shawshank, but a damn good movie. And I think if that movie, if they just like waited a year after Shawshank, maybe it would. I, I know. I don't know how well it did in the box office, but I don't think it did as well as Shawshank, and I think that's a shame because it is a good movie. Right. What's your favorite film noir movie? Favorite film noir would be The Maltese Falcon, yeah. but I got to rank Double Indemnity and Touch of Evil as close seconds. Oh, those. yeah. T Touch of Evil is really ahead of its time, and, and I think, oh, yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Everybody goes, Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane. Look, Citizen Kane's a good movie, folks, but yeah. I don't understand why it's like that film. It's not. It doesn't hold up opinion. as well as Touch it, of Evil. Dude, Touch of Evil fucking smokes it. It does. All right, let's just be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. I, okay, I, dude, do you get the fuss over Citizen Kane as far as why they make it the greatest movie of all time? Well, it's of the time and when, you know, he wrote, I don't know if he wrote, but he directed it, uh, Orson Welles, and he was basically a kid, and he was in his early 20s, so I think he was, right. the, he was the wonder kid of the time. Uh, and it's a good movie, dude. I'm not knocking it. But, but it's, it's like, there's one that's a little bit too long, too, so... I just think Orson made better films. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. There's another one he didn't. Uh, the name of it's escaping me now. Well, there's the but, Magnificent Ambersons. There's uh, Mr. Radican. Um, what's the one he did with the where he's a Nazi? 
Oh, the stranger. And it's got Edward G. Yeah, yeah, that's I great. That With Edward G. Robinson as the Nazi hunter. Yeah. Oh, what a fantastic great movie. movie. Great movie. And he's all like, "I was just following orders. You gave the order." That's right. Which I, I love Edward G. But there was times when he would do other movies. I always expect him to come. Nah, see, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, he, you know, he, Little Caesar, but exactly. he was such a good actor. What's your favorite movie cameo? You know, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. But <laughs> I was thinking, well, I mean, I could pick uh, Alfred Hitchcock, but he cameos in all his films. So sure. does Shyamalan. And I just thought more and more about I thought about mentioning Harvey Keitel and Pulp Fiction. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, that's really longer than a cameo because he comes in to save their ass. Yeah. So he's got some substantial lines. So I'm going to pick, and you're going to laugh, Quentin Tarantino and Little Nicky. <laughs> no, actually, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that. Because it was just so, I remember watching it going, what the fuck, that's Quentin Tarantino, man. You know, and uh, and of course, some of those cam um, cameo appearances that Steve Buscemi also makes in Adam Sandler films. Oh, yeah. Uh, good stuff. Good and, stuff. and we can bring it together because Harvey Keitel is actually in uh, Little Nicky, too. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what is your favorite high school movie? You know, I thought about this uh, long and hard, but I had to finally settle on The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I sixteen candles. Another very underrated high school movie, in my opinion, and we mentioned one earlier. Can't buy me love fits in that category. Oh, I agree, absolutely. Uh, but three o'clock high. Oh yeah, and you know they kind of remade it with uh, Fist Fight, you know, with Ice Cube and uh, yeah, and Charlie. Fuck off. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It, it's like they didn't even get a writer. It was like they were ad libbing the whole time. The original Three O'clock High is really well done. It's a fucking classic. Yeah. Man. It's such a classic. Such a good movie. And I forgot that the the main kid who who has to fight at, at the end, uh, he he's in Young Guns. He's one of the young guns. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's actually a good actor. He yeah. didn't do a whole lot of movies. But no. I, I from what I understand, I think he works more behind the the, the camera. The bully in that. Plays the bad guy in Kindergarten Cop. I know. Yeah. I know. He's actually been in a few movies. Yeah. Richard Tyson's been around. Because remember, he was he was the cop that got all fired up at Ben Stiller. Yes. Something about Mary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's bashing his head into the, the table and everything. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a, he plays a great heavy. He sure does, man. All right, let's, let's graduate. We're going to college. What is your favorite college movie? Animal House. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I got to say Back to School is a close second. Oh, I, love I agree. Rodney Dangerfield, and I love that movie. And actually, I don't know if you want to – I guess you can call it a cameo. Sam Kinison steals the show in that one, oh, just that one yeah. scene. yeah. Yeah, he does. So I good. love Sam Kinison. God, man, what a loss. Absolutely. He was fucking great. Yep. That whole scene is brilliant. It is. fucking brilliant. It is. Is she right? Yeah. I know I'd like to believe that. <laughs> I wasn't in a classroom thinking about it, worrying about hoping. I was like, I was there with rice paddies. That's so fucking funny. It is. Yeah. Say it. Say it. You know, I love the part where he's like, my pussy's like yeah. you. Right home, smoking the weed, fucking listening to bailouts. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, he was so good in that. Last question of the night. We've gone through all of them. And uh, what is your favorite movie to watch when you're sick, either when you're a kid or now? You know, you know I got to say, man, that was – and I listened to that episode, and I'm, I, I kept thinking, man, I don't know really. Like I don't know if I have uh, – but then I thought more about it, and I'm like, well, there's a few. Uh, Forrest Gump, mm -hmm. uh, which would be more now – and that movie is 20 years old, but I was a young man when it came out. Yeah. I was in my prime back then. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, 
of course, the Lord of the Rings movies, Star Wars, stuff to where I can kind of drift in and out, <laughs> you know, because when you're sick, you don't feel good. So, you know, it's like you might drift in and out and miss stuff. Yeah. But you've seen it so many times that you're like, eh, Princess Bride. Yeah. Absolutely love that movie. That's another one of my all-time favorite films, um, especially that part where he kills the bastard who killed his dad. Just the way he delivers that line when he's like, offer me everything I desire. And he's like, anything you want. And then he just stabs and goes, I want my father back, you son <laughs> of a bitch. I just love the way he delivered that line. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna throw you for a loop here because I like to have fun. But we have a, we have an episode coming up, and it's actually uh, – it was requested by one of our listeners, and it's Keith Rockford. You might know him from uh, the Rock and Metal uh, Combat Facebook page. But he came up with a great yeah. idea, which is what is your favorite – uh, fake band in a movie. So meaning they, oh, they basically oh, okay. were created for that movie. Now, it doesn't have to be built around the whole movie around them, but, you know, they were in the film. Okay, I got one. I got one. Sure. Hands down. Um, well, I got a few of them. Sure. I, I love Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah. So I could throw that in there. Uh, Spinal Tap. Yep. And I think one of my all-time favorite movies, so I'm kind of glad you mentioned this because I was wouldn't have been able to talk about it otherwise because it didn't really fit any of it. But... Um, Stillwater from Almost Famous. That's so funny because I created my top five list. You got three of them. So there you go. That's awesome. Yeah, still, Stillwater, uh, I, I just, uh, I mean, I actually like the music. Like, that, that um, I believe it was, was it Ann Wilson yeah, or Nancy from, who wrote the music? Because she was married to Cameron Crowe. Yeah, I think it was Nancy, the, the guitarist. Oh, God, yeah. it's so good, man. And I love that movie because to me it was a total love letter for, of that era of, of 70s, and, yeah. And hard rock and, yeah. and metal music. Yeah. And, you know, I absolutely adored that movie. I thought it was great. I think oh, yeah. it's one of Kate Hudson's best performances. Yep. Um, Billy, Billy Crudup was great. Everybody was great. Oh, it's, it's the kid, the kid that played Cameron Cameron Crowe was great, too. Yeah, he did a damn good job, and I can't understand for the life of me why he didn't get more work. Because he's a good actor. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Mike, this has been so much fun. But again, let me plug your radio shows. DJ Metal Mike, you can hear him on ThatMetalStation.com on every Tuesday from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, but also listen to him on Fridays from 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. He, if you love music, if you love metal music especially, he plays amazing stuff. If you go in the chat room... You have requests. He'll he'll accommodate your requests. It's just a really entertaining show, and you do a great job. And I try to listen well, as much you. as I can. Thank you, Brian. That means a lot. That means a world to me because you know, like I think you're the man, dude. So Thanks. thank you so much. No, this has uh, been so much fun, and we're gonna have to keep doing this more and more. Thank you so much, and thank you for all the compliments, man. And yeah, guys, I'm on twice a week. Yep. Um, and I'm also the co-owner of the station, so please check out the station. Check out our other DJs. I mean. Specifically, Dr. Fuck mm -hmm. of Thrasher Guy and the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. He's one of our most successful DJs. Another guy we got is DJ JD with the Metallic Ape. He puts on a hell of a show. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a great, it, it literally has changed my life. Like, I wouldn't be on the mic right now talking to you if, if it weren't for uh, really the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I wouldn't even be DJ Metal Mike. If I hadn't <laughs> yeah. watched that Thrasher Guy uh, video, none of this would be happening right now. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. all hail Thrasher Die. That's Thrasher right. Die. And, and the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, they're kind of, you yes. know, we, a lot of crossover there. So definitely check out uh, that, yeah, definitely check out that another, metal station. Right, right. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. And another podcast I want to show some love to, even though I didn't get turned on to them until I started listening to the RMCP, and that's the Decibel Geek. Um, because I feel like you wouldn't be podcasting without them. I wouldn't. Especially, they, you know, you got to give Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro all the credit in the world, too, because I know they inspired Ian to do a podcast and and 
he's the one who approached Ralph about doing a podcast. So yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, without it, all those yeah. factors, man, we would not be here right now. Absolutely not. And uh, I said it on the hundredth episode, like without Chris and Aaron and, and the Decibel Geeks, I wouldn't have probably got into podcasting and, and they gave me yeah. my, my break. So uh, yeah, forever indebted to them. They're just great guys. Yeah, it was great they're good to meet guys, them. man. Yeah. They are really cool guys. I mean, I had so much fun, man. Well, again, we're going to have you on again, and uh, thank you so much. You you got it, Brian. Yeah. Anytime you want me to come on, man, you let me know, dude. All right, before we sign off, we do have T-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to TeePublic, that's T-E-E, public.com and you can get your very own damn good movie memories t-shirt you can get all sizes any gender you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers so just go to tpublic.com look up damn good movie memories and you can get your very own t-shirt if you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbeam. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original, Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>